Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! It may be because he's Swiss, I don't know, in terms of European style. I can take you to Suplex City tonight, bitch. Can you say the alphabet backwards? Walking with your ass backwards. You're not funny and nobody likes you. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. back, folks, here on WrestleRant Radio for June 14, 2016. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, only five days out from WWE's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And as a result, we've got a stacked show on tap for you here today. Uh, joining me in just a little bit in the second half of the show will be Yoder21, Mike Yoder. He's been on the show before. Endicott alumni, great dude. Hopefully, will be joining me once again for SummerSlam weekend in just 68 more days. SummerSlam is 68 days away, and I cannot wait for it. As announced last Wednesday, I will be at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, SummerSlam, and Raw. I got tickets for all three shows. So if you're in the area and you're going to one of these shows, hit me up on the Twitter, Facebook, whatever. will work something out. But just to announce ahead of time, two months out, I will be there the entire weekend. I mean, I'm going home back and forth. I have no idea how the travel's going to work out. But the plan currently is to be there for all three shows. I've got tickets for all three shows. So unless something comes up, something happens, I will be present all SummerSlam weekend long. So very exciting news to announce on that front. Um, but like I said earlier, Mike Yoder will be there this SummerSlam weekend. Once again, he joined me for NXT TakeOver Brooklyn last year. Can't wait to meet up with him again this year at SummerSlam weekend. But speaking of Mike, as I mentioned earlier, he will be on WrestleRant Radio here today to do Money in the Bank predictions, full picks, previews, and predictions, picks, previews, and predictions for Sunday's show for what WWE is touting as one of, if not the greatest pay-per-view in recent memory. They're calling it the greatest Money in the Bank pay-per-view of all time. That even, that even that in and of itself is not controversial, but debatable. With 2011's Money in the Bank pay-per-view from five years ago next month being my favorite pay-per-view of all time, it's going to be hard to top. The build for that show was just unfathomably epic. But the build of this show coming up on Sunday has been pretty great itself. So it's got tough competition. Uh, speaking of which, I did write an article, cheap plug, this past week for HiddenRemote.com, ranking every WWE title match, and you could probably guess which one topped the list, um, but every WWE title match from every other installment of Money in the Bank dating back to 2010. So be sure to check that out. But um, Money in the Bank on Sunday, bottom line, will be an epic show. Can't wait to have Mike on later on to do full picks, predictions, and previews for every match on the advertised card. But before that, I'm talking all about Raw, which I did watch for the first time in over two years and not live, if that makes any sense at all. So the last Raw that I missed live, for every Raw in the past two years, I have watched um, at least even five minutes of it live. But more often than not, I will watch every Raw live, even if I only catch the first half hour or whatever. That ended last night. I was at work. I'm working more um, more hours now, so I'm not working. I, I don't know if I'll be working every Monday. I won't be working next Monday, which is cool for the post-pay-per-view uh, edition of Raw. But I was working last night during Raw, so I was unable to catch it live. But I did watch it afterwards, and a very enjoyable show. I'll be breaking it down momentarily. So we had that. Um, speaking of which, last Wednesday, I know it's been six days after the fact. I knew we were going to have a stacked show here on WrestleRant Radio today, and I couldn't wait any longer to do it. So... My full review of WWE's NXT TakeOver The End special from last Wednesday, which was exceptional, by the way. Maybe not the best NXT TakeOver of all time, um, but still a very, very good show. A lot of great matches. Talked all about it with the one and only Tommy Sharp from WWE EC Radio. Our first episode in nearly a month since I left my college campus last May or a month ago, whatever. You know, last month. <laughs> May, not May 2015, May 2016. And uh, we had a great time breaking down the show. I texted him on Monday. Hey, do you want to talk about TakeOver on Thursday after the show goes off the air on Wednesday? And he said, absolutely. We worked out a time. We did a video chat over Google+. Plus, So the audio is not amazing. Um, but the video is there if you want to check it out on YouTube. The video is also available here on the website at nextarrestling.net. Just go to WWE's EC Radio's archive. And you can check out the um, the full video and audio of the conversation. A near hour-long review of NXT TakeOver The End. So like I said... New review of that show. It's already up on that show from last week, from last Thursday, if you want to check it out. So today we're talking about 
Uh, we're talking about Raw and doing Money in the Bank predictions. But even before all of that, I do want to give my brief thoughts on a few things. Like I said in hashtag AskGSM, the start of the video yesterday, my thoughts and prayers are with everybody affected by the just horrific Orlando tragedies that occurred over the weekend. First, the singer that passed away, I believe from The Voice on Friday night, early Saturday morning, was shot and killed on the spot. I mean, she was hospitalized, but she later passed away from the injury she suffered. Um, just horrible stuff. And then on Sunday, the whole uh, the, the shooting at the gay bar in Orlando, the same area, just horrific shit. Um, really hate to hear stuff like that. So like I said, thoughts and prayers are with those affected um, in those tragedies over the weekend. But on a lighter note, on Sunday, also in Orlando, we had the Slammiversary pay-per-view. Orlando was the site of Sunday's TNA Slammiversary pay-per-view. I will not be doing a full-on review. If you want to check that out, like I said, we have other things to talk about. I'd much rather go in-depth with my Raw review than Slammiversary, just because Raw was a bit more positive. Slammiversary was not too good at all, which is kind of disappointing because I've been praising the product. I've been singing the praises of TNA since the start of the year. The TV product is very good. And as of this recording, I'm recording this on Tuesday afternoon tonight, we are having our first live edition of Impact Wrestling in many months. Probably since they first started going live, or not live, or since they moved, since they first moved to Pop TV earlier this year, in the first Tuesday of 2016. And I don't think we've had a live, quote-unquote, edition of Impact. And I say quote-unquote because they tape it on, like, a tape delay by, like, an hour or so. Um, but usually, like, the week before or week after of Slammiversary, we do have a live episode of Impact. It was, you know, two years ago. Bobby Lashley won his first TNA World Heavyweight Championship on the post Slammiversary edition of Impact, which was better than that year's pay-per-view. So we'll see how this year's edition holds up against uh, past installments of the show. So I'm looking forward to what every champion is defending their gold tonight on the show. Should be good. Um, but as Slamversary goes, though, it was not a very exciting show, unfortunately. The main event I thought was very good. We have a new TNA World Heavyweight Champion in Bobby Lashley, or just Lashley as they're calling him now. I guess it really doesn't matter because Bobby Root's gone. Um, but anyway, though, it was a very good main event. Bobby Lashley went over very uh, went over strongly over Drew Galloway, who's been a very good champion, in a knockout or submission-only match. So I thought it was a very good match, and they put together a very good main event. Unfortunately, it was not enough to save the show. Um, the Hardy Boys match I thought was very good, too. I'll be talking about this more in depth. Someone asked me a question about it for hashtag AskGSM last week. But obviously, the feud between the Hardys has gotten a lot more exposure recently due to the uh, the newfound meme that came up with Matt Hardy and the piano and uh, the throwing of the fake baby and you know, rolling outside the ring and botching that and going through the table. This whole shtick, this whole thing um, that really got a lot of traction a couple of weeks ago, the ending to Impact Wrestling, scored a lot of attention from the online wrestling community. And it became like one of the most anticipated parts of the show. People didn't even know TNA was having a pay-per-view until that whole thing blew up. So... Good on them. I don't know how good the buy rate's going to be, but it must be up because people really wanted to see what was going to happen with that Hardy Boys for the Hardy Boys feud between Jeff and Matt. But they had a very good match. And the Full Metal Mayhem match, I thought it was, one again, again, one of the better parts of the show, that in the main event. Everything else was just kind of forgettable. Um, Drew Galloway, or rather uh, Ethan Carter III versus Mike Bennett. Kind of an underwhelming match. The feud has been phenomenal, but the match itself really wasn't anything special, unfortunately. Uh, Maria versus Gail Kim was pulled from the card. Maria is currently suffering from a legitimate wrist injury. So they had a triple threat knockouts title match instead that was won by Sienna. Not a very good match. Um, the outcome was kind of stupid too with Marty Bell getting involved and costing Jade the match. I mean, I could see why it makes sense, but I didn't really give two shits about that anyway. Don't really care to see those two feud. So you have that. Um, what else happened? The Bromance versus the Decay for the World Tag Team titles. Not a bad match. It was a good match. I just do not give two shits about the bromance whatsoever, so I was glad Decay retained. Bram and Eli Drake was what it was. Um, the opener, I thought, was great for the X Division title. It's just that the X Division is basically what it's always been, or at least for the past five or six years, has just been a glorified spot fest. I mean, they try every, at least once every single fucking year to try to rejuvenate and add more depth to the X Division, but they really just kind of fall flat because they give these guys no stories. They're just fucking matches, and it's ridiculous. Um, so anyway, though, the match was really good. There was one crazy spot with, I think, Andrew Everett. I don't think it was Trevor Lee. I'm pretty sure it was Everett. He did some crazy-ass flip, like, off the top rope, onto the other three competitors on the outside. Almost like a, uh, a Starship pain, but on the three guys on the top rope to the outside. Not really, but something like that. Like corkscrew something. Corkscrew moonsault, something along those lines. But it looked fucking cool, and it was a good match. Eddie Edwards, congrats to him. I got to meet him last year in Salem. Just, I was in the area, and I saw him, like at the train station with his girlfriend. Uh, I forgot what her name was, but she's a local indie wrestler in Massachusetts. But 
Uh, they had, I, I saw them about a year ago, so congrats to him and winning the X Division Championship. And also, speak, uh, I guess I'll get to that in a second. But anyway, Slammiversary on the whole, just not a very good show. Um, I would still suggest checking out the TV product. I don't know why you would have watched Slammiversary and not like a free episode of Impact first. But the TV product has been very, very good. Like I said, so here is hoping to get back on track with tonight's show. Um, apparently Billy Corgan is a new minority owner of TNA for what I don't know what really is going on behind the scenes of TNA. So don't ask, but, uh, it just, it's not looking good, but the on, you know, the on air product has been pretty strong all year long with the exception of Slammiversary, which was disappointing, but we'll see how it plays out, uh, tonight on impact wrestling. So speaking of which, speaking of people that I've met on Sunday, kind of a quick side note here. Um, thanks to at the wrestle guy from Twitter, Sal, he's a great guy. I was able to meet him for the first time on Sunday after almost three years of talking through Twitter. Um, he let me know on Thursday of last week that Paige and Mark Henry would be in the area for an autograph signing, um, here in Connecticut for the special Olympics that was going on at Southern university. And I didn't see anything about it online or anywhere else, but I trusted his word. I took his word for it. And he sent me a picture of him with those, you know, with Paige and Mark Henry on Sunday, I hightailed it to Southern, and I got a picture with Paige and Mark Henry. I was the last one in line, thanks to Sal. He got me in there. Got a picture and an autograph from both people, and they were great. Paige was really nice. Mark Henry was really nice. It was his birthday on Sunday. I felt bad. I was not able to wish him a happy birthday. But um, it was cool. Very cool experience and a very unexpected experience on Sunday meeting those two uh, lovely folks, Mark Henry and Paige. But anyway, speaking of Paige, she was then Raw last night, so kind of a weak transition. But we'll get right into Raw from last night. The go-home show for Sunday's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And like I said, overall, very good show. Um, Raw, by and large, for the past couple of weeks, if not since WrestleMania, has been very entertaining. I know that Memorial Day episode was kind of throwaway, not a good show at all, but that was a holiday episode, so I kind of forgive it. And it did have that great one, you know, uh, scene in Styles confrontation. And the main event, too, was also really good. So can't call it an entirely awful show. But the point I'm trying to make is that Raw, overall, basically since WrestleMania two months ago, has been pretty good. And I'm liking this new era that WWE is seemingly ushering in. But anyway, speaking of the new era, the show kicked off, well, first with a salute, um, a uh, not a salute, but a moment of silence for those affected in the Orlando tragedies. Classy way, as always, from WWE to kick off the show. From there, we had Enzo Mori and Big Cass interrupting the New Day, talking about the uh, Chef Curry shoes, the sneakers or whatever that apparently are a hot topic online recently. I have no knowledge of this whatsoever. I'm not a very topical person. But it was hilarious. I don't know what the hell they were talking about, but it was fucking great. And then it transitioned to Enzo, Enzo talking about... Uh, Enzo and Cass talking about Xavier Woods' Francesca 2, saying, you know, asking Xavier Woods where Francesca was last night. He was with Enzo, and Enzo was able to blow his girl. Just funny shit. Um, really, really, really entertaining stuff, and it's really a true testament to how great these two teams are, that they could talk for almost 15, 20 minutes about a freaking trombone and freaking sneakers and not once allude to a WWE tag team title match that Sunday at the pay-per-view. But before they can go any further with their war of the words, out came the Vaude Villains, and then later Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson with, they, uh, with their own promos talking about how they're going to win the championships on Sunday at the pay-per-view, leading into an eight-man tag team match with Gallows, Anderson, and the Vaude Villains defeating the New Day Enzo, Cass, Enzo and Cass. Um, so a very good match, a good opening match, good solid half hour of uh, raw programming to open the show, and I thought it was very entertaining. The promo was great. The match is very good. The heels got one over on the baby faces, giving, you know, sending the message to the viewers that we could see new tag team champions on Sunday in the form of Gallows and Anderson or the Vaude Velens or even, you know, Enzo and Big Cass. Who knows? But a very good match, very good segment, and a great way of kicking off the show. Very entertaining shit. Um, but it did, for one thing, point out to me, did one make one thing clear for me, that hopefully it won't be long before we see what could be a great feud between New Day, Enzo, and Cass. Hopefully not too, too shortly. But that's a match I would love to see in time for SummerSlam in Brooklyn. That would be one hell of a feud if last night's opening segment was any indication. So after that, we had Titus O'Neil coming out for a match against God knows who before getting attacked by Rusev. Um, pretty straightforward, simple segment, getting heat on Rusev. Two thumbs up. I mean, it was what it was, basically. But the best part about this segment were the jokes I saw online afterwards. I stayed off Twitter and everything until after I finished Raw. And going on Twitter and seeing message boards and stuff, people were making jokes about how how does it feel, Titus? By you know, Vince's voice. How does it feel, Titus, to be embarrassed on the Raw stage? You know, a callback to when Titus shoved uh, Mr. McMahon during the Raw uh, during the Daniel Bryan retirement ceremony a few months ago, which got him suspended for two months. I thought that was fucking great. That was really funny. But uh, like I said, very straightforward standard segment from uh, Rusev and O'Neil to hype their match on Sunday for the U.S. T- for the uh, U.S. Championship. 
After that, we had the Ambrose Asylum, featuring the WWE World Heavyweight Champion Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose, the original three members of The Shield. Really, really good segment. For one thing, I liked how throughout the night they aired vignettes and video packages of The Shield debuting, of winning at WrestleMania 29, their first ever WrestleMania match, splitting up, defying the authority. Um, just really good stuff. I mean, they did something similar last week, the two video packages between Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins, really building up the importance of their match at Money in the Bank. So I thought these video packages, these video packages throughout the night, you know, uh, you know, basically a trip down memory lane for The Shield was really, really good. All of them, all the videos were really good and a great approach to building and setting up the segment on this show. So like I said, a really strong segment. All three men playing the roles perfectly well. It seemed like Rollins was playing buddy-buddy with them for a moment, talking about their greatest moments and this and that before completely turning on them and the crowd, seeing how the greatest moment in Shield history was when I turned on you guys and went off my own and became one of the biggest stars in the past few years and basically carrying the company on my back as WWE World Heavyweight Champion in 2015. So like I said, Rollins not going completely over the top here, but he was... Subtle, subtle enough where they could do the babyface turn if they wanted to on Sunday, which I'm really hoping for. I know it's kind of a far-fetched possibility, but we could still see it. Maybe. Who knows? Roman Reigns was really good here. Dean Ambrose was great. He was not merely a background player like The Miz would be if this was Miz TV. Rather, he was a very integral part of the segment in that towards the end, he said, on Sunday, will we, will we see Seth Rollins regain the gold he technically never lost? Or will we see Roman Reigns once again retain the WWE World Heavyweight Championship? Or, and then both Rollins and Reigns look at Ambrose, or will I win the Money in the Bank ladder match on Sunday and then go on to cash in against either you or you to win the WWE World Heavyweight Championship? And that was what people have been asking since, you know, the moment Dean Ambrose qualified for the match. And that could we see Ambrose win on Sunday and then go on to cash in that same night, which would not be completely out of the ordinary. We've seen it done before. With Kane exactly, you know, six years ago, the inaugural installment of the pay-per-view back in 2010. Kane won the briefcase that night and won the championship, you know, nearly like less than an hour later against Rey Mysterio, which they showed footage of on last night's show. So I thought it was really good. A great segment, you know, teasing that possibility. And what I thought was really interesting was that Ambrose ended the segment the last man standing. So I think it's only a matter of time before we see these three clash in a championship scenario. Um, it's going to be a great feud, obviously, the match that's been over two years in the making, but more so than anything else, it made me amped up for the match on Sunday between Rollins and Reigns, and even more so for Ambrose potentially winning the briefcase before going on a cash-in against either man either that night or later, down, later on down the road. So, uh, good stuff. Like I said, a really, really good segment and really getting me amped up for uh, two matches, you know, killing, you know, one bird with, uh, or two birds with one stone is the old, you know, cliche catchphrase, but you know what I'm saying, and that, uh, this one segment made me more excited for both these matches, both the Money in the Bank ladder match with the possibility of Ambrose winning and the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match. So, good stuff. Two thumbs up. After that, we had Paige defeating Charlotte in a meaningless two-minute match. Neither woman got entrances. Um, and that was pretty much it. I mean, Becky Lynch and Natalya were on commentary to hype the tag team match on Sunday between Charlotte, Dana Brooke, and Becky Lynch and Natalya. Not a bad match between Charlotte and Paige. It was just so over quickly. So, you know, it was over so quickly that no one really gave a shit. That and the fact the champ got beaten clean in three minutes. Dana Brooke kind of quote-unquote interfered. Teasing tension between Charlotte and Dana Brooke for no apparent reason. Even though they've been buddy-buddy for the past three or four weeks. And she just split up with Ric Flair. So they're teasing tension between another alliance of Charlotte's. Right after they teased tension with Team PCB a couple months ago. She apparently cannot make friends very easily. Every time Charlotte has a new BFF, whether she's been in like four or five factions, if you really think about it, since the start of her WWE career, which was only three years ago. She when when she first arrived in the scene, she was best friends with Bailey, who she turned on. After that, she joined the BFFs with Summer Rae and Sasha, who she turned on them both and beat them both for the women's championship to retain the title, rather. Um, but she left that group. She turned on them. After that, she joined forces with her father. She turned on him just recently. She was with Team PCB last year, turned on him, and now she seems to be turning on um, Dana Brooke as well. So apparently Charlotte, in the past three years, has had five different teams, stables, uh, whatever, alliances, and has pretty much ended almost all of them on her own. So Charlotte cannot be trusted if this match was really any indication, but kind of a meaningless match, like I said. Uh, I guess we'll see how it plays out on Sunday in the tag team match, which we'll talk about shortly in our Money in the Bank predictions with Mike Yoder. 
Sheamus quickly squashing Zack Ryder up next. Standard squash match, nothing else to it. I loved how they kind of set it up on SmackDown last week. Zack Ryder standing up to, uh, or rather it was Apollo Crews, but Zack Ryder was in the background. So they had somewhat of a setup here. Apollo Crews comes out to make the save afterwards, setting up their match for Money in the Bank, which is also now official for the show. Sami Zayn and Cesaro had a very fun match, which kind of goes without saying because they have amazing chemistry. They had great chemistry back in NXT, back in 2013, 2014, having an amazing series of matches. They've only had a couple. You know, Zayn debuted the night that he arrived in NXT, beating Cesaro in his second ever match of the promotion. They had a rematch a few weeks later that Cesaro won, and then the, you know, historic 2 out 3 falls match on NXT, which was won by Cesaro. And the Arrival match was also won by Cesaro the following year at uh, Arrival, the first ever WWE Network special, first ever TakeOver special, whatever. That was great, too. They had a match a few weeks ago on Raw, but it ended in a no contest, so I don't really technically count it. But this match was a lot of fun, building hype and building excitement for the match on Sunday between Sami Zayn, Cesaro, Chris Jericho, Dean Ambrose, Alberto Del Rio, and Kevin Owens. Uh, so good shit. Really, really good match. Sami Zayn winning with a fantastic finisher. And you know what's great? I had my uh, my stepdad right there next to me. He's not a wrestling fan, but I showed him the finish of this match. And even he, even he was impressed. Now can you not be? That was a great finishing sequence. I don't even know what you call it, but Cesaro was... So Sami Zayn... To, uh, I, won't really do this move justice, but Sami Zayn comes off the top rope. Cesaro has him in a powerbomb position. So instead of going on his shoulders, Sami Zayn goes over his shoulders, flips around basically into a sunset flip, and scores the pinfall that way. So that was a really cool finishing sequence. A big win over Cesaro. His first win over Cesaro since he arrived in NXT three years ago. Um, does it mean that Sami Zayn wins on Sunday? Who knows? Like I said, we'll talk about our predictions momentarily with Mike Yoder, but... Bottom line, great match with a fantastic finish. Here's hoping we have not seen the last of these two against each other in WWE. After that, another strong segment with John Cena and AJ Styles signing the contract for their Money in the Bank match on Sunday. I really enjoyed their you know their encounter last week on Raw, but I thought this was just fucking awesome. Start to finish, I thought this was a really, really strong segment. Cena, I thought, was good because last week I talked about it here on the show that I was not high on Cena... Um, and the fact that he called him a bust, and he said he was a failure because he failed to win the championship twice, he failed to win a WrestleMania, he failed to win the Royal Rumble match. I didn't like that approach in calling AJ Styles a bust because he really has, in storyline maybe, but ever since coming to WWE, he's been very, very, very well handled, and he's had a great run for himself, so that's kind of the farthest thing from the truth. But he did not mention that last night, John Cena in his promo, so that that was good. Instead, putting over his adversary is one of the biggest names from PWG, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, all the companies he said by name, by the way, not once mentioning TNA, which is getting to the point of ridiculousness, uh, which is not surprising, obviously, but I know TNA's kind of been on the uh, uh, on the shit list of WWE for a long time, but I just really don't see what the harm is. I feel like Ring of Honor is a bigger threat to WWE than than TNA is at this point, but maybe they've never acknowledged them before, so they're not they're not going to acknowledge it now. Who the hell knows? But here's hoping they talk about it in the AJ Styles podcast on Monday with Stone Cold Steve Austin. If they don't mention it then, if they don't, if Stone Cold doesn't mention it then, then you know Vince told him to not mention it because I know he name dropped TNA in his initial podcast on the network with Vince two years ago, and Vince said like that, like a very uncomfortable look on his face, which was funny as hell. Uh, but anyway, that didn't really bother me. I didn't mention TNA. I just thought it was funny. The segment itself, like I said, was very very strong. Uh, Cena was great, and AJ Styles, the most comfortable I have ever seen him on the mic. No flubs, no botches in his lines. He was very comfortable, cool, calm, and collected in delivering his lines here, and I thought it made for a stellar segment. And the whole thing was that Cena had two contracts, one for AJ Styles versus John Cena, and then another for John Cena versus AJ Styles with the club. And AJ being goaded into signing the regular match one without the club, so... I guess it says in the contract that Gallows and Anderson are banned from ringside. Here's hoping they are. I mean, I really want AJ to win. I'll talk about this momentarily with Mike. Um, and I really want him to win clean or by himself, whatever. But it's interesting. Um, it's interesting that, excuse me, that they would do that. Maybe they're teasing the possibility of Finn Balor getting involved. Who knows? But uh, I don't know. I really want Styles to win, even if that meant club interference. But at the same time, like these guys have been saying time and time again, a match over 15 years in the making, I would really want as little as interference as possible in this match. If we can keep it a straightforward, clean-cut singles match between these two guys, between these two amazing athletes, 
I am completely content with it. That is the ideal scenario. If Bullet Club interferes, I don't know why they would at this point because they already signed the contract for them to not get involved to help AJ win. So be it. But in a perfect world, I would rather have a straight-up one-on-one singles match between these two. But bottom line, like I said, overall, a really, really good segment um, between Cena and Styles. Styles getting the last word. I'm saying that John Cena, what are you trying to say? That you're better than me? That you know it's a foregone conclusion on Sunday that you're going to beat me? I don't think so on Sunday. I prove it to you that AJ Styles is better than John Cena. Cue the awesome music and end of segment. Good shit overall, like I said, making me even more amped for the match on Sunday, which I thought was impossible. When this ended and Styles got in the last word and they played his music, I said I stood up, almost clapped. I didn't. My family was sleeping, so I didn't want to create any noise, but I said to myself, that was fucking amazing. Sunday's going to be great. And I can't wait for it. Kevin Owens and Alberto Del Rio teaming up up next to take on the Lucha Dragons in a Money in the Bank qualifier match. So we had Corporate King throughout the night who made his return. And I was like, oh no, Corporate King. At least he didn't appear before the live crowd. Um, I was hoping when Teddy Long came back last week we would have we, we would have former faces in charge. Kane was never once the GM of any show. <laughs> he was the fucking director of operations. Yes, he had an authoritative role. And I guess it made sense, given his ties to the authority and whatnot. And is also a funny history with Shane that was mentioned last night, which was great. Um, but still, I mean, he's not a former GM. I would much rather see, I, maybe he's busy, but Eric Bischoff, Mike Adamley, I know that's a total long shot, but that'd be funny as hell. Uh, I'm still holding out hope, damn it. I'm holding out hope. But so anyway, Kane is showing up throughout the show, pitching ideas, pinches, pitches one to Shane about how KO and Del Rio have not been getting along lately. They're going to have to coexist in a uh, in a tag team exercise by taking on the Lucha Dragons. And if they lost, they would lose their spots in the match to Kalisto and Sin Cara. So a good match that otherwise would have been a pretty throwaway match um, made meaningful by the added stipulation. And it did buy it in the near falls when Sin Cara pinned KO. I was like, oh no! And I know it was kind of obvious that the heels were winning here, but you never know with this company. Let's be honest. It might have been obvious the heels were winning, but you never fucking know with this company. So, you know, for better or for worse, you never know what they're going to do. They could always do the dumbest thing possible, and I would not put it past them. So, I mean, I wasn't shocked that the Hills won here. I'm happy they did. But I bought in the near falls, made for a very fun match. So, good stuff there. KO and Del Rio retaining their spots in the Money in the Bank ladder match. And then in the main event, in the fourth consecutive encounter, I mean, they had a match at Payback, Extreme Rules on SmackDown last week in a Raw. Dean Ambrose and Chris Jericho, pretty standard good match, as always, from those guys. Ambrose wins clean. Made even more entertaining by KO's hilarious commentary. KO was fucking on point last night. This was the Kevin Owens show, as it always is. But even more so last night than ever before. He was on point in the tag match, the backstage segments, on commentary. KO was golden last night. Raw was overall very, very good, but KO made the show for me. So anyway, uh, Ambrose wins. Chaos breaks out. Sami Zayn goes high risk on the outside, laying out everybody. With the exception of Chris Jericho, who climbs the ladder, retrieves a briefcase, retrieves a briefcase for probably the first time in his career. I don't think I've ever seen a shot of Jericho with the briefcase before, which is surprising. Um, crosses his legs with the scarf. I don't know if he was wearing the scarf or not. He was when he came out, which was great. To uh, close the show, Jericho, now our next Mr. Money in the Bank. Who knows? That was a great visual to close the show with, however. Uh, so overall, like I said, two thumbs up. Very good show. Looking forward to Money in the Bank on Sunday. Speaking of which, coming up next, joining me for Money the Bank predictions at is at Yoder21 on the Twitter. Yo, or it is Y-O-D-A-I-R-21, I believe. I might have mistaken that, but check out the, you know, if you listen to this on the website, you can always check out the, um, his name, the byline, just click on the name, it takes you right to his Twitter account. But speaking of whom, he's been on WrestleRant Radio before, he's a great dude, he's an awesome analyst, he is joining me right now for Money in the Bank predictions. Mr. Mike Yoder, how you doing, brother? Good, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Ready for Money in the Bank on Sunday? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> well, the stack car from start right. to finish, we're talking all about the pay-per-view this upcoming Sunday. It's going to be, as WWE is saying, one of, if not the greatest Money in the Bank pay-per-view of all time. Do you think, in your opinion, looking at the card from top to bottom, do you think it's going to be one of the greatest pay-per-views in recent history? Oh, I didn't think, I, I thought you just called it casual. I didn't know we were on already. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, you were rolling, brother, we're rolling. <laughs> I, I, was, like, I was talking like such a weirdo. I'm like, give me a one-word answer. Um, <laughs> no, that's cool. Yeah, man. Uh, it looks like a real strong card. I mean, they're really hyping the Cena Styles match. Um, yes, I. 
I think it's a pretty good card. We'll see how it goes. We definitely, uh, definitely some good matches. The Money in Bank match is going to kill it. And uh, Cena Styles match is going to kill it. And looking forward, actually, to the Reigns Rollins uh, match, too. So... Absolutely. All three main events should be stacked. We got three stacked main event matches. The undercard isn't looking too bad either. But on the kickoff show, just announced last night, Baron Corbin versus Dolph Ziggler for the fourth or fifth time. The third straight kickoff match between these two. It just It's, it's a never-ending rivalry, but hopefully it ends uh, next Sunday, or this Sunday, rather, at Money in the Bank. Who do you got going over here? Uh, Baron Corbin going over. Honestly, I haven't even... And paying attention to their feud. I just one that's been going on for literally like three, four months, ever since Corbin came up from NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is like way too long, and I understand, you know, Ziggler's that guy who's going to put him over. Um, I think there's no doubt that, that Baron Corbin goes over and make him look like a powerhouse. Hopefully, um, on Monday Night Raw, he'll set his sights on someone else, you know? Hopefully, like you said, this feud has been going on since Corbin got called up two, three months ago. They've been, you know, exchanging wins back and forth. Ziggler won a payback. Corbin won an extreme rolls. It's just a never-ending feud, and it's not really even on Raw. I mean, I watched Raw last night, and they pretty much furthered every feud that's going to be on the show on Sunday, except for Corbin and Ziggler. I don't think even either of them were on the show. So, I mean, you're not really missing much but not paying attention to it. I really haven't paying attention either. It's just kind of there. I don't know. But uh, I, I got to go Corbin here. It would not surprise me if Ziggler won just because it's been 50-50 booking since his start. So, it would not surprise me at all. It's not the right move. But I don't know if they've done enough damage to Corbin that he can't be a top heel now or at least at some point. But I got to go Corbin here. Like you said, that's that's the wise move. Um, the other kickoff exactly. match. And yeah, go ahead. No, no, exactly. I agree with everything you said. Everything. Well, hopefully for the next kickoff match, we got the other, you know, up-and-coming star, the former face from NXT as well, going over here. And Apollo Crews versus, versus Sheamus. Who do you got going over in this match? Uh, I think there's no doubt. I mean, Sheamus, Sheamus at this point, uh, which is kind of crazy to think that, like, eight months ago, he, he was holding the WWE Championship. Um, but he, there's no doubt that uh, Apollo Crews is going over. I'd be shocked if he didn't. I think that they have big plans for him. I say that about a bunch of people and they end up dropping the ball on them, but mm-hmm. uh, I really do think they have big plans for him. He's got the look. He could be a little bit better on the microphone, but they could work on that. Um, you know, he, he's got a great look, great personality. So uh, I think this is, you know, I think I'll definitely go over Seamus. Seamus at this point, like I said, he's a, he's a respectable he's a respectable guy who um, a win over him means something. And uh, I think, you know, but I also think he's kind of at the point where he's going to just be putting guys over, you know? Hopefully, yeah. I mean, at this point, he's been around for so long, seven or eight years at this point, and um, I think this is really a Cruz's opportunity to get over as a single star. They really haven't done much of them since he came up to Raw a couple of months ago. He's just kind of been floundering for the most part, but this is, I mean, they really haven't furthered this feed much on Raw. They did last night, but other than that, they really haven't done much with these two guys. Um, but hopefully, this is Cruz's opportunity to win. I've got him going over, too. The only thing I could see Sheamus winning for me, it wouldn't be as surprising just because they've been really pushing the fact that Seamus that Seamus is in this new movie, the uh, the Ninja Turtles movie. So they might want to have him go over because he's been getting more publicity for that. But I feel like that'd just be a dumb reason, just because Cruz just came up, he can benefit way more. And like you said, Seamus, like you said, eight months ago, a former WWE champion, a year ago, the guy won the briefcase at this very same show, and now he's in the fucking kickoff show. <laughs> it's so funny. A win doesn't mean much over Seamus, but, I mean, yeah, if you do think about it, he, he was champion less than a year ago, money in the bank holder, as recent as last year, so a win over him does uh, does give, especially an up-and-comer like uh, Cruz, that definitely gives some merit. Oh, definitely. Like you said, former WWE champion. The guy's a former Mr. Money in the Bank, Royal Rumble winner, former multi-time world champion. It's, I mean, again, it doesn't mean that much just because he hasn't been relevant in a while, Sheamus, that is. But, you know, it gives him more credibility to Apollo Crews than it would a win over Heath Slater or frickin' Curtis Axel or whatever. So it still does mean a little bit more than it would over a traditional jobber. So it should be a good match, first time ever on the kickoff show. Moving to the main card, also announced last night on Raw, a women's tag team match, the women's champion Charlotte, teaming up with Dana Brooke for the first time ever to take on Natalia and Becky Lynch in tag team action. No title on the line here, no stipulation, just a standard tag team matchup. Uh, who do you got going over in this matchup? Um, it's a good, good choice. I, I think Charlotte and Daniel will do some sort of devious thing, some sort of heel tactics to come away with the win. Um, 
it's 50-50 at all, honestly. Uh, I have no idea. But uh, I'm going to uh, make the champion look strong. Make Dana look strong. She doesn't have a win yet on the main roster, I don't think. Or, you know, she just came up. So anything helps for her. What do you think? Yeah, and she needs a big win, too. Charlotte just lost in a, last night on Raw in like three or four minutes to Paige. Some meaningless match for whatever reason. But then afterwards, they teased tension between the two. And they just joined forces like two or three weeks ago. So I have no idea why they are doing that right now. I mean, I'll ask you this. So in this matchup, like I said, no implications. There's no stipulation. No championship on the line. It's just a standard tag team match, which is fine. It should be a good match, whatever. Um, I got the baby faces going over here just because Natalia lost... How many times to Charlotte? She's probably going to get a win here. She doesn't win the championship, so they throw the baby faces a bone by having them go over here. But do you think that beyond this show, they'll have these four women face off in like a four-way for the championship at Battleground or whatever? Oh, what's that? Do you think these four women could face off in a fatal four-way for the championship at Battleground, maybe? Is that the next, uh, next paper for Battleground? I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah, I think it goes uh, Money in the Bank... Uh, Battleground, like you said, and then it's payback before SummerSlam. What's before SummerSlam? I think it's just Money in the Bank, Battleground, and then SummerSlam. Oh wow! wow. Um, hey, what was I about to say? Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. It depends. You know, you hear different things every week. It depends what their plans are. When she's coming back, like when Sasha Banks is coming back. I know she's out with an injury. Um, it's crazy because. You'd be talk, you know, everyone was talking about this uh, Jesus revolution as, as recent as like five, six months ago. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, injuries and stuff has kind of derailed it. And I feel like the, I feel like the women's, um, the women's division is really not all that deep at all. Um, so Natalia offers a nice, uh, she offers a uh, nice opponent, and Becky Lynch, I'm a big fan of. Um, and Dana Brooke, not a huge fan, but it is what it is. I can definitely see a uh, fatal four way at all. I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, even as of four or five months ago, the last time we had you on the show for WrestleMania predictions, we were talking about how excited we were for the triple threat match at WrestleMania, which arguably stole the show between Charlotte, Sasha, and Becky. And the division at that time, I mean, even with those three women, it was great. But since then, you know, we have like four or five women out injured right now. I mean, Emma's out injured as of a few weeks ago. Nikki's still out. Brie retired. Sasha's out, as you mentioned. Uh, Tamina, Naomi. That's like five or six women right there that are either gone or injured. So hopefully well, by the... No, uh, no, I don't want to uh, go off track too, too much, but what do you think? Um, I thought that she'd be coming up once she lost the NXT Women's title. You know, what do you think Bailey's plans are? What do you think she's coming I think now, as at this point... With the division being in the state that it's not that it's bad. I mean, we've had far worse. Like I'll take this over when it was like freaking Nikki Bella versus Paige every single week, which was only like a year ago. So it's better than what it was, but it's still not great. That being said, though, the momentum isn't there, and I feel like as we just kind of talked about, Sasha will be back at some point, hopefully in the next two months before you know to face Charlotte for the championship at SummerSlam, and hopefully she beats her there. And I feel like this is not a long shot, but it's more of a dream scenario where Sasha wins the belt in summer at SummerSlam in the same building she lost the women's championship to Bailey a year earlier, and then on Raw the next wait until after SummerSlam. Yeah, I, no, I could see that. Um, I only asked because I just I literally thought about uh, last year when we were at Takeover, you and me both went. So, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the honestly, I'm not biased and. Uh, uh, nothing, you know, honestly, nothing against women. I'll give them credit where credit's due. The match between Bailey and Sasha was the best match I've ever seen live. And I've been to a good amount of live events, and I, honestly, that was the best match I've ever seen live. So I'm excited to see Bailey come up, Sasha get healthy, and, you know, see what, see what these girls can do. Absolutely. That that was one amazing night. And that match was just absolutely phenomenal. I still watch that back. I've watched it back maybe five or six times in the past year. It just never gets old. That match is just an instant classic. Men, women, it doesn't matter. That match was just something for the ages. I, uh, hopefully we see a rematch at some point in the main roster, which hopefully won't be before too long. Uh, but moving forward, though, for the United States Championship, Rusev defending the gold against Titus O'Neil. Who do you think is walking away with the U.S. Championship on Sunday? Well, uh, I lost it. It was uh, U.S. Championship match. Yeah, you, versus... Uh, O'Neal. Titus O'Neal, yep. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, uh, I mean, I would love to see them build off of uh, Titus O'Neal's attention. Um, he's getting a pretty decent reaction when he got back and, and everything, but Rusev just won. Um, I like, honestly, I don't like to... 
I hate when, like, the Ziggler quote, I hate when these feuds get dragged out too long, but this is kind of fresh, um, gives Titus, well, I'm a pretty big fan of something to do, and uh, so I said, Rusev will go over here, how he goes over, I'm not too sure, but uh, I think there's no, he just became champion, they're not going to take him off, of, take it off him yet, um, I could see a nice, you know, two, three pay-per-view, uh, two, three pay-per-view little feud with maybe uh, Titus even going over at SummerSlam, which would be a nice moment for him after the year he's had. I think in the months leading up to that, like you said, I mean, right now I would not be opposed to Titus O'Neil being champion, maybe not as soon as Sunday, but like you said, Rusev just won the belt a month ago at Extreme Rules, and I would really be surprised if he was just a transitional champion, but do you think there's a chance? We kind of saw something similar a few years ago with Curtis Axel, but with Sunday being Father's Day, and also last night on Raw they aired the whole Father's campaign, the Father's Day ad, whatever it was, with Titus O'Neil and his, you know, his charity work, his relationship with his kids is very well documented on TV and otherwise on social media and whatever. Do you think there's a chance that we see Titus O'Neil win the championship on Sunday to capitalize over the fact that it's Father's Day or whatever, only to drop it back to Rusev like right after maybe? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I would never put anything past. There's always a chance, you know? Yeah. That would be a nice moment. Um, definitely, like you said, he does a lot of things um, outside the ring and, and everything within the company. So, um I, uh, I would be a nice moment for him, especially, like I said, after the year he's had. Depends, you know, you never know what people think. You know, I knew, I know Rusev wasn't a, he wasn't a big, Vince McMahon wasn't big on Rusev, you know, a few months ago, but, but back two years ago, Rusev was beating John Cena, so, depends what plans they have for him and all that. I think, I agree with you, that's good booking and that's a uh, nice moment, though. Yeah, it would be a nice moment. So it's a, it's a win-win either way. Either he gets his nice moment on Sunday or they build him up a little bit longer only to get that moment at SummerSlam or Battleground or whatever. So uh, it could go either way, but I got Rusev going over here too. So after that, for the WWE Tag Team titles, the New Day defend in a fatal four-way tag team title match between Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, Enzo and Moray and Big Cass in the VOD Villains. Who walks out of this match with the titles in tow? Um, I'm going to defer to you on this one. I'm interested to see what you think. I have a couple of thoughts on it. I think it's hard to say. I mean, they said last night on Raw, and they've been bringing... I mean, they've been mentioning it for a while now, but they're really hammering it home, like really, really mentioning it a lot more prominently recently that that the New Day is coming close. They're closing in on that longest reigning uh, record of all time, which I think is like 11 months. So if they make it another month, I don't know if it's before or after Battleground, I'd have to check... But if they make it another month, I think they might pass that record. But they might play the story that they're coming in close and they're going to take the titles off of them. And it's really, I think any four of these teams could walk out with the victory. I could see very easily New Day retaining, only to retain until SummerSlam to do, you know, that's where they won the belts a year ago. So they could do a whole story with Enzo and Cass or something you know, in their backyard of Brooklyn. Enzo and Cass could win here. They're so over right now. I mean, the Vaude Villains, they can even throw them a bone if they want to. Even Gallows and Anderson are riding a wave of momentum. But... Uh, it's hard to say. I think New Day, there's a chance they could go over, and I would not be surprised, and I'd be happy if they did. But I'll go off on a limb, and I'll say Gallows and Anderson, just because they pinned the champs last night, and they put and that puts New Day in chase mode. I want to see New Day retain just to break the record, but for some reason I have some feeling that Gallows and Anderson win the belts here. I agree. Um, you know, you still go through every team, not a... Uh... I'm a huge fan of the Vaughn villains, but they're not that, they're not bad. I, I think there's a like 2% chance of them winning. Um, but then you go and you have uh, New Day. Yeah, it depends how close to the record they are, um, but they're an entertaining act. They opened it all last night. You know, I feel like the company has a lot of faith in them, and they are great with the crowd. They move merchandise like crazy. You're seeing a ton of uh, Budio shirts nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Uh, yeah, and I know merchandise is like the number one thing with Vince, so I could definitely see them uh, holding on to the titles. Um, and I, you know, I do believe eventually the club or uh, you know Gallows and Anderson they will get those tag titles. I would even say before the end of summer. Um, but I like it's a nice little feud, New Day and uh, Gallows Anderson. So I'm gonna go with New Day retaining. Uh, I think it's too early for Enzo and Cass, even though they are an entertaining uh, act. And uh, all villains, I don't think, have a chance. So I'm going to go, uh, although the New Day retaining, but like I said, mark my words, no doubt in my mind that uh, that the club will uh, they'll be tag, t- they'll be tag 
team champions before the end of summer. Probably at SummerSlam. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised in that respect. I mean, it's just funny, too. I mean, we were both at SummerSlam last year. New Day was one of the most overacts the entire show when they won the championships, and they've been champions ever since. But it's just crazy to me that, I mean, they're so entertaining, it's not really that surprising, but a lot of acts like that, they're only hot for maybe a month, maybe a, a month or two after that. But these guys have been a, a consistently entertaining and hot act, even merchandise-wise. Like you said, one of the hottest merchandise sellers in the company. For the past and nearly... You know, it's great, too, that um, they, I feel like, when we saw them last year, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure they were heels, or they were, you know, they were, they were tweeners. Yeah, know, like yeah. You know, face type thing. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those rare instances where I'm, I'm impressed that either Triple H or, or uh, Vince, I'm pretty sure, probably gave them freedom you know, to do what they want or whatever, and they've kind of run with it and become this very over, very entertaining act. And uh, I'm impressed, you know, and I feel like they can they can work well, just as well as heels as they can as faces, and that's very valuable. That can't go understated. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a big New Day fan, uh, and I'm very impressed with what they did. It's come a long way since that whole, you know, like, preacher act that they first started with. So... Exactly, yeah, all three, whenever they break up, which hopefully isn't anytime soon, anytime in the near future, these three guys will be bigger stars, way bigger stars than they were beforehand, I mean, Xavier Woods was really nobody beforehand, Big E was just kind of floundering, he's going to be, he's, he's allowed his personality to shine through through the New Day, so he should be just fine, and even Kofi Kingston, who's been around for almost a decade at this point, has like rejuvenated his career with the New Day, so these three guys will be just fine in the future, and uh, like you said, one of the best acts, if not the best act on the roster right now. But we move forward into the top three main event matches at Money in the Bank, starting with the Money in the Bank ladder match. <clears throat> Six of the best mid-card competitors, upper mid-card guys in the company right now. We got Dean Ambrose, Chris Jericho, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, Alberto Del Rio, Kevin Owens, all six guys vying for the briefcase on Sunday. I know there was original, an original report that we were going to get seven men, or that was the original plan, but that's not happening. So it's just these six guys. And everyone, pretty much with the exception of Del Rio, has an equal chance of winning. Even Del Rio, I could see them, you know, appeasing him by giving him the briefcase because they promised him a big push when he came back. So basically, if you want to say all six of these guys could realistically walk out of Sunday, walk out on Sunday as a winner. So, uh, Mike, who do you got coming over as the, uh, you know, coming out as the next Mr. Money in the Bank? Only to plug as well your Money in the Bank article from a few months ago. And a lot of these guys that you mentioned in your article are in this match. And I know, and that's because and I remember, I remember going to you before I wrote that article. You know, hey, who do you think? And you literally, I had these guys written out, and you named them exactly just because. Maybe it's unfortunate. Maybe who knows? But these guys are the prototypical like upper mid card guys. They're over with the fans. They're tremendous. All of them are incredible performers. Uh, I would like to see you know AJ Styles in there instead of like Chris Jericho. But it is what it is. Jeff Miles has a great match, so I'm not complaining. Um, but, uh, or even, I would love to see Finn Balor in there. I think that would be awesome. But um, it is what it is, like I said. Realistically, as a six, um, Jericho's not going to win. But the other five, there's, there, I would love to see like the betting odds because I don't think there's any clear-cut winner. But in all five of them, um, can definitely uh, help boost their career. If I had to... I had to put my money on it. Um, I got a brush. I'm like walking like, upstairs right now. <laughs> yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> I had to put money on it. Let's see. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go with. I don't think Sammy's in. It's tough. Uh, I'm going to go with Ambrose just because there's so many stories you can go. Yeah. So many different directions you can go. You got the whole. He cashes in on Rollins or Reigns. You know, he can. I could even see like a great heel turn at SummerSlam. Mm -hmm. You know, he would be a great heel. I think we talked about that before. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with because you know you you know what you're getting with him. He's been over for two years now. I think the time is ready to pull the trigger on him. Um, and uh, yeah, but anyone like you said can get it. Yeah, I mean, any basically, it's a win-win-win scenario for pretty much everyone involved, for the most part. I mean, Del Rio, no one would be thrilled to see that. It'd be a pretty much a repeat of Sheamus last year when no one cared to see him as Mr. Money in the Bank. But 
other than Del Rio, even Jericho, I mean, he invented the match. He's never won it before. He's been doing the best work of his career in at least five or six years. I'd be happy if he won. He's probably not going to win, like you said, but it'd still be cool. Kevin Owens, from what I've seen, is the is the fan favorite. I mean, there's no one guy that's everyone that everyone's saying, oh, he's going to win. A lot like last year, everyone thought Roman Reigns was going to win. We really don't have that this year, but uh, and it's a pretty much, like I said, it's a win-win regardless of who wins for the most part. KO, I could see winning. He could benefit the most from it, but... I think Dean Ambrose, like you said, they teased it last night on Raw. There's a lot of stories they could tell with Roman and Rollins in the main event um, that same night. So they could tease something that night at SummerSlam. We could see a Shield triple threat, you know, at SummerSlam this year. Zayn, I feel like, is a long shot just because he might not really need it. He's an underdog anyway. It would be cool to see. I don't really see it happening. Cesaro is the dark horse here, I would say. He's got an equal chance, too, and he's been in need of that briefcase for a long time. But I think Ambrose has the most obvious you know, opportunities and stories to tell going forward with the briefcase. So I got Ambrose going over here, too. But if any of the other five guys, with, like I said, the exception of Del Rio, wins here, I am perfectly content. So then we get into a match 15 years in the making. First time ever, a dream match, WrestleMania-worthy caliber. It's John Cena versus AJ Styles. Mike, I'm anxious to hear who you got going over here. Um, let me hear what you say, because I know you've been a, uh, I know you've been a big, uh, you follow, you follow Styles, and you're a big Styles fan, I want to see what you think, where do you think this is going, what do you think, I got, I got my ideas, but I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, it's really hard to say. I mean, like everyone else, I'm pretty much split down the middle. I mean, as you said, I'm a huge Styles fan, so obviously I'll be marking the hell out if he wins here. And I think he has to. I think he has to. I mean, if you take everything into consideration, including the fact that he'll be on the Stone Cold Podcast next Monday, right after Raw, on the WWE Network, he's lost to Roman Reigns twice. He lost to WrestleMania twice. He lost to WrestleMania once, you know, earlier this year, which is fine. He's still over. He's still moving merchandise. People still love the guy, face heel, whatever, tweener. He's still very much over. And that was kind of, <clears throat> that was kind of led to the, the heel turn that we saw a few weeks ago. That said, though, the match itself, I think, like I said, it could very well go either way. Because this probably will not be the last match that we see from these guys throughout the summer. I could see a scenario where people have mentioned this. Where And there was a backstage video they showed last night on their YouTube channel where Gallows and Anderson were asked about the match, and they said Styles will be just fine. And, of course, last night on Raw, he signed the contract that said without the club. So if the club gets involved here, it's kind of pointless. That whole segment was a waste of time. But I could see maybe Balor, like a long shot. I mean, we've been predicting Balor to come up for a while now, but I could see Balor coming up and maybe costing AJ or Cena the victory. I don't know how that would play out because he's technically not a part of the club. Um, there's a lot of different scenarios, but bottom line, interference or not, which I hope there is, and the match itself should be great, but I'm going to have to go with Styles, even if it's dirty, clean, whatever, because I feel like coming off the last three big losses that he's had, he needs a big win, and it has to come as soon as Sunday. I agree with you. Uh, I just wanted to see what you thought. Um, absolutely agree with you. With uh, Styles loss at WrestleMania, um, and... I feel like he needs a big win. Cena can afford a loss. So, uh, I, it's tough. I never know. Like, like, I mean, the biggest thing that I think is, like you said, I think this is like a two-three-month feud. Um, and I can see, um, I can see Styles going over for the first one, kind of like what they did with, like, Owens and Rusev. Just hope Styles end up getting buried. I, I don't think he will. I think he's kind of bulletproof, you know, because then, established for so long, but um, I can see Styles taking the first one and Cena taking like the next two type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to see Balor, I would love to see Balor uh, debut, I just don't think it'll happen until SummerSlam, um, but that's, like I said, that's another possibility, so uh, yeah, I got Styles going over too, I'm surprised you did as well, just because Cena's first pay-per-view back and you never know with Cena, but I agree. I think Styles wins. Even if Cena does wins, I wouldn't be pissed, but I feel like the right story to go with is with Styles winning here. I mean, like you said, they could always have Cena win here first pay-per-view back, only to have Styles win the next two, which would be fine. But, I mean, either way, it's going to be exciting. People are looking forward to this match, obviously. It's been a decade and a half in the making, but... uh yeah, we got to agree. Styles goes over on Sunday, hopefully, and even if he doesn't, hopefully, looks you know, is made to look strong in defeat. So let me get to the main event for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship: Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. Another match, many years in the making. A lot of anticipation surrounding this outcome. Will Rollins regain the gold that he never technically lost? 
Or will Roman Reigns once again retain the title? So, Mike, who do you coming out? Who do you got uh, coming out of this matchup as the new champion? Too, uh, too early for it's too early for uh, for Reigns to lose after the big WrestleMania win. They've been building him up. Uh, depending, I, this could be because I have a prediction, and so this could be just a one-off thing. Um. Because I don't think Rollins, I don't think Reigns wins cleanly. I think Rollins has a real strong showing, and I would not be surprised. He was a face last time. Saw him. Wouldn't be surprised if Bray Wyatt comes. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Bray Wyatt comes and attacks Rollins. I wouldn't. I'd be down for a uh, Wyatt Rollins feud. But I guess it's kind of so weird because if Rollins loses, is he really? Uh, is Bray Wyatt really a face? Because everyone wants Rollins to win, and it's so. Uh, so it's complicated, but uh, I think Reigns wins, no doubt. Yeah, I think this feud extends beyond this point. They could always have a rematch of Battleground. I mean, they could do, like we said earlier, the Shield triple threat at SummerSlam, but I think win, lose, or draw, he's got to win here. He, Reigns, I don't even know if he has to win. I mean, he could always win via DQ or Rollins wins via DQ or whatever, but regardless, Rollins walks out. I mean, rather, Reigns walks out, still the champion, and then you get built to a rematch at Battleground or at SummerSlam or whatever. I did not even think about the Wyatt possibility. I mean, they could do a Wyatt-Rollins feud and have that be the catalyst for a Rollins face turn, which has to happen at some point. I'm shocked it hasn't happened yet, but we could see it you know, as soon as Sunday or beyond that. I think the plan is for SummerSlam, not that I think they're what they're going to do this, but I would love to see a Triple H-Rollins match at that pay-per-view. Now, I don't know how you start that. I don't know because the last time we saw them, they were on the same page. We haven't seen Triple H in two, three months. So maybe we see him on Sunday. I don't know, but either way, I think uh, I think Reigns. Now, I mean, again, I would love to see Rollins win the championship. I just don't think it's happening. So I think we can agree that Reigns walks out on Sunday, still the champion, building to another match, maybe at the next pay per view, because I feel like this feud has way too much momentum just to cut it short on Sunday. So Reigns still the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. You got AJ going over Dean Ambrose. You got the New Day. I got Gallows and Anderson. We both got Rusev, still the champion. Charlotte and Dana Brooke, you got. I got Natalia and Becky Lynch. Sheamus, or rather, we both got Apollo Crews, and we both have Baron Corbin as well. So those are our 2016 Money in the Bank predictions. Do we, we have any, uh, do we have any discrepancies? Do we disagree on anything? I think the only match that we did not agree on was the women's match. I had the baby faces, you had the heels, and then the tag team title match. You had New Day. We're so boring. <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing is. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. You think we have a cash in on Sunday? Uh, very, very rare. Very rare. Never happens. But came to it in 2010. You never know. Yeah, exactly. We've seen it before. We've seen it before. So it would not be completely out of the ordinary. But that being said. I mean, we could see it with Ambrose. I mean, he teased it last night, so it's very likely that we see it on Sunday. But I think either way, cashing or not, um, even though we have a lot of the same outcomes going over here, like a lot of the same people going over, I mean, this Sunday's show has so much potential. The card has so much potential to be just phenomenal, start to finish, in-ring-wise, outcome-wise. And it's gotten a lot of comparisons. That 2011 Money in the Bank pay-per-view from five years ago when Punk won the championship, Christian won the bell. Daniel Bryan became Mr. Money in the Bank. So they had a lot of you know great moments. On that show, we could see the same thing on Sunday. And WWE is really hyping this up to be a WrestleMania-worthy show. They've been you know hitting that home, hammering that home for weeks now. So they're really setting the standard pretty high. So I'm hoping they do not fall below the mark. Um, but I think based off the card, I think it's going to be a great show. So any more predictions? Any more thoughts on Sunday's show? No, not really. Um, I'm at work, and also my phone is at 1%, so I might lose you, but I do want to say thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, always fun. Looking forward to seeing you at SummerSlam. Um, yep. Are you going to go to NXT, or are you not sure? No, I'm definitely going to NXT as well. Hopefully you are too, right? All right. Let's do it then, yeah. I'm yes. To it. So, Perfect. Uh, before, before I lose, yes, um, you know, thanks for having me on, and uh, looking forward to Sunday. It should be a good pay-per-view, and uh, I'll definitely keep in touch with you, all right? Definitely, dude. Thanks again for coming on. I'll catch you down the road. Keep doing what you're doing. All right, good stuff. Thanks, man. I'll see you soon. Later. Once again, big thanks to Mike for joining me on the show. And if you want to follow him on the Twitter, it's Yoder21, Y-O-D-A-I-R 21. Just click on the byline here in the post on the website. 
Uh, for nextdaywrestling.net, you can, it takes you right to his Twitter page. Be sure to follow him. Check out the article that he posted a few months ago right here on the website. Top five people that should win Money in the Bank very timely with this Sunday being the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Uh, speaking of which, I should be around for the show. I know I wasn't around for Raw this past week to watch live or on Monday, last night, whatever. Whenever you're listening to this, it doesn't really matter, I guess. I was working, so I was unable to watch the show like I mentioned at the start of the show. Um, but I will be around, hopefully, for Money in the Bank on Sunday. I'm not technically working. I'm on call at 2. It is Father's Day. We've got Finding Dory coming out this weekend. I work in a movie theater. Finding Dory's work coming out this weekend, as is Central Intelligence, T- Central Intelligence with The Rock, which actually looks really good, which I'm hoping to see at some point this weekend. So it's going to be a busy weekend. I'm hoping I do not get golden. Even if I do, I'm hoping to be back in time for the pay-per-view because I cannot miss this show. Um, it's going to be good. But I will be around for Raw next Monday, though, live. I am not working. I know that for a fact. On Monday, can't wait for that. And um, as always, check out my written reviews of Money in the Bank, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, TNA, Ring of Honor, Main Event, Superstars, Lucha Underground, and everything else in between right here on NextAirWrestling.net where you can catch new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every Tuesday right here on the website. So in terms of other plugs, be sure to check out all my other articles for Bleacher Report, What Culture, Hit the Remote. I actually broke a streak recently. I wrote 13 for 13 consecutive days, an article, at least one article every day, 15 articles in 13 days. My previous record was like 12 days, which was unbeknownst to me until like a couple days ago, until I realized it. So thanks to all that support my work and my articles, my tweets and the show and everything else. It very much means the world to me. So uh, hopefully you guys are doing well. And next Tuesday, like I said, we're talking all about the money in the bank pay-per-view. I have no idea whether I'm flying solo or whatever else. I know I'm working... I think Tuesday night. So I'm going to try to record this once again as I'm doing today in the afternoon. Get the show up in time for uh, for uh, for Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night. Talking all about Raw and the Money to Make pay-per-view next Sunday. So until then, guys, have a great rest of your week. I'm Graham Gieson Matthews. Enjoy Money to Make this Sunday. And I'll catch you folks down the road. Oh,